Welcome to Turnaround Church. We're so glad that you have joined us today. We're having a great time in the house. I'm glad you're joining in with us, whether you're joining us live or you're joining us later on, two years from now, whenever it is, we're just glad that you decided to take some time to join us, whether you're watching us online or you're listening to the podcast. You can turn, look for, if you want to listen to the podcast, just look, go to your favorite podcast application and just search for Turnaround Church, and we'll be on there. You can listen to our services and that sort of thing, so we want to make that available. If you're watching or listening for the first time, please do us the honor and go to our website, turnaround.church, and click the I'm New tab, and that's our e-connection card. And so that way you can connect with us. We can have a record of your visit, so we can reach out to you, make ourselves available to you, and we'd be so grateful if you'd do that for us. All right, well, today, uh, again, this, week, this month, we're not, we're not doing a series. I'm calling it the month of one-offs because I have so many single sermons that don't fit into a series that uh, we're going to be doing that uh, this month, just single sermons. And then next week, we're in for a treat. We've got a special guest speaker, and uh, I'm not going to say who it is, but just come and find out. It's, gonna, it's exciting. So next week we're going to have a special speaker, so uh, be sure and be here for that. Those of you online, join us. Join us next time, and you won't be sorry. You will not be sorry. All right. Well, I'm going to do something I have never done before. I've never done. I'm going to preach an entire book of the Bible. I hope you all brought your, your knapsacks and your lunch Pack, packed your lunch. Eileen said, I got some crackers over. I got some mints. I, I got some mints I can suck on. The book of Haggai. Haggai. I know you hardly ever hear anybody preach on Haggai. Uh, but we're going to read the book of Haggai. It's only two chapters. In the, in the Bible, in the Old Testament specifically, you've got the books of Moses, the Pentateuch, the Torah. The fi- first five books are the book of that have, were written by Moses. They're the books of Moses. Then you have the, the poetry books. That's your Psalms and Proverbs and those sort of things. And then you've got your major prophets and your minor prophets. Now, they're not major prophets because the majors are more important than the minor prophets. The major prophets were longer-winded than the minor prophets. The major prophets just wrote longer, talked longer, said more stuff. The minor prophets, they're like me. They like to communicate concisely and just say what they have to say and get it over with. So Haggai is one of the minor prophets. It's only two chapters long. But it's in the history of, of Israel, actually in Judah, at this time, the Israelites were divided into two different nations. You had Israel, and then you had Judah. Israel was in the north, and then Judah had separated off and become its own nation. And Judah had disobeyed God so much and had just really turned its heart against God. Prophets had been prophesying for years and years and years. Y'all better straighten up or God's going to send you all into captivity. Babylon's going to come. Sure enough, in 587 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came and he, he overthrew Judah, which was uh, Jerusalem was their capital, and he destroyed the temple, the Solomon's temple. He destroyed it at that time, and he took the best and the brightest captive. Remember I talked about that last week, that he took the smartest, the most attractive. He took, you know, I'd have been left behind, so that's good. Um, but, you know, he took the best and the brightest, the, the rich people and all this kind of stuff. He took them captive, and that's Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, you know, that kind of people. And so, but then in 520 B.C., Darius had, the Medes and the Persians had actually overtaken Babylon, 
And so Darius was king then, and he released the captives, those that wanted to, to go back to Jerusalem. The 70 years that Jeremiah had prophesied they would be in captivity was over. And so he said, anybody that wants to go back can go back. Now, not everybody wanted to go back because they kind of gotten used to being in Babylon. They'd lived like the Babylonians. They'd started living their lifestyle. So not everybody went back, but they, but they went back. Several of them went back and went back to rebuild Jerusalem. So this is where Haggai takes up on, in verse 1. It says, on August 29th, this is the New Living Translation, so it's really easier to understand. On August 29th of the second year of King Darius' reign, the Lord gave a message through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah. So in other words, they used to have kings. They don't have kings anymore if they got the governors. And then Jeshua, or Joshua is actually how it's pronounced, but in here it's Jeshua, son of Jehozadak. He was the high priest. So you've got Zerubbabel, who is the governor, and you've got Jeshua or Joshua, which are, is the high priest. So they're the two leaders of those that are coming back out of Babylonian, Babylonian captivity. Verse 2 says, this is, this is what Haggai has to say. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. The people are saying, the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Now, I don't know if you saw my title slide. It's called, Got No Time for Temples. Because these people had said, listen, we're busy building our own houses. We don't have time to build a temple. So the Lord had, then the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. So this is the second message. He said, why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? They had misplaced priorities. He's saying, you guys need to get your priorities straight here. He said, verse uh, verse 5, this is what the Lord of Heaven's armies says. Look at, what, look at what's happening to you. You have planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but are not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear, disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. And this is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. Verse 8, now go up into the hills, bring down timber, and rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. So he says, y'all, been, y'all can't figure out why you can't get ahead. It's because your priorities are mixed up. You got misplaced priorities, all right? So he said, um, not, you hope for rich harvests, but they were poor. And when you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord of Heaven's armies, while all of you are busy building your own fine houses. It's because of you that the heavens withhold the dew and the earth produces no crops. I have called for a drought on your fields and hills, a drought to wither the grain and grapes and olive trees and all your crops, a drought to starve you and your livestock and to ruin everything you have worked so hard to get. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, son of Jehozadak. Remember, they didn't have last names back then, so they always had to say who their daddy was. <laughs> so, you know, they would have said, now James Hooper said so-and-so, but now they got to have, so that's why I've got to say Shealtiel and Jehozadak every time. Okay. And the whole remnant of God's people began to obey the message of the Lord their God, and when they heard the words of the prophet Haggai, whom the Lord their God had sent, the people Feared the Lord. Okay, so get this picture. God is saying, listen, y'all building y'all's houses and you're leaving mine alone. You're focusing on you 
and me, 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 me. How many knows that's going to get you in trouble when you just focus on yourself? God's not about you not taking care of yourself and your family, but he's saying, listen, you've got to not just focus on you. So God's got them straight. So, okay, okay, so here we go. Verse 13, then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave the people this message from the Lord. I am with you, says the Lord, because they started building the tabernacle. So the Lord sparked the enthusiasm of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the enthusiasm of Jeshua, the of Jeho- son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the enthusiasm of the whole remnant of God's people. They began to work on the house of their Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies, on the 15, uh, armies on September 21st of the second year of King Darius's reign. So, okay, so this is, we're talking about, we started on August the 29th, and so on September the 15th, they started working on the house of the Lord. Okay? So we've got to understand, God is trying to get them straightened out. So here we go. God's going to talk again. On October 17th of that same year, Haggai is only like four months long. This is only a four-month period that this book is covering, okay? So on October 17th of the same year, the Lord sent another message through the prophet Haggai. Say this to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Jeshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of God's people there in the land. Does anyone remember this house, this temple, in its former splendor? How, in comparison, does it look to you now? It must seem like nothing at all. Now, there were, even though it was 70 years ago that they went into captivity, there were still people alive that remembered how glorious Solomon's temple was. This was the one that got destroyed. It was the one that Solomon built. Okay, it cost billions of dollars in our dollars to, to build. It was splendor. So, but they didn't have that kind of resources now. So the one they were building was pitiful in comparison. So the older people were saying, but it's not the same. But it's not the same. It's not the same. But God's saying, listen, but you're building me a house. Don't worry about it. I got a plan. Okay, so when we, when we shift our focus, when we shift our priorities, it may not be great and glorious, but God says, listen, I got a plan. I got a plan. So stay with us here. So verse, uh, verse 6. No, no, I stopped off. I didn't do 4. But now the Lord says, be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people still left in the land. And now get to work, for I am with you, says the Lord of heaven. Come on, keep building, keep building, keep going. My spirit remains among you, just as I promised when you came out of Egypt, so do not be afraid. So remember, he's referencing back now, years ago, when God led them out of Egypt. And when he led them out of Egypt, they carried all of the wealth of Egypt with them. So when God delivered the Israelites out of the 400 years of bondage in Egypt, he said, before you leave, get all, borrow, get all the wealth you can from all these Egyptians. And, and so they gathered up all this wealth, and they left with the wealth of Egypt. So he said, okay, just like I did in Egypt, this is, pay attention, listen to what I'm about to say. He says, verse 6, for this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. In just a little while, I will again shake the heavens and the earth, the oceans and the dry land. I will shake all the nations, and the treasures of all the nations will be brought to this temple. 
I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord of heaven's army. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of heaven's army. Remember these scriptures. Verse 9, the future glory of this temple. Remember, it's not as big, and big, but the future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And in this place, I will bring peace. I, the Lord of heaven's army, have spoken. He says, listen, it only gets better from here. You're doing what you can to build me a house. I'm going to get involved, and it's going to get good. When I get involved... You know, the glory of this house is going to be greater than that. Even though it was more splendorous, even though it, was, had all this, it had all this stuff, he said, listen, it's going to be better. The glory is going to be better. Verse 10, on December 18th of the second year of King Darius's reign, the Lord sent this message to the prophet Haggai. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Ask the priest this question about the law. If one of you is carrying some meat from a holy sacrifice in his robes, and his robe happens to brush against some bread or stew, wine or olive oil, or any other kind of food, will it also become holy? And the priest replied, no. So he's referencing these priests. He's referencing them back to Leviticus, the, the laws of unclean, clean and unclean things. So he's, he's referencing them back, okay? So in verse 13, he says, Then Haggai asked, If someone becomes ceremonially unclean, by touching a dead person and then touches any of these foods, will the food be defiled? And the priest answers, yes, sir, it will. So that's what happened. So they, they, they had these, un, these ceremonially clean and unclean things. So that's, that's what uh, they, the Jews are today. They have, they have two kitchens. They have, you know, the, um, help me out, Amanda. They have the kosher and they have the, the non so they so things don't touch they can't they use separate utensils they use, so that so something that is unclean doesn't touch something that's clean so it's ceremonial unclean so back then if you touched a dead body you had to go through these cleansing rituals to become clean but so what he's saying is if you had touched a dead body and then you touched this food did it become unclean yes yes it did then Haggai responded, This is how it is with the people and this nation, says the Lord. Everything they do and everything they offered is defiled by their sin. Wah, wah, wah. He's calling them out. God's calling them out. Listen, you're building this temple, but you're defiling it because you're still living in sin. You're still ceremonially unclean, so you're defiling the temple that you're building. So it's a call to purity. In verse 15, look at what was happening to you before you began to lay the foundation of the Lord's temple. When you hoped for a 20-bushel crop, you harvested only 10. When you expected to draw 50 gallons from the wine press, you found only 20. I sent blight and mildew and hail to destroy everything you worked so hard to produce. Even so, you refused to return to me, says the Lord. Think about this 18th day of December, the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, Think carefully. I am giving you a promise now. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Okay? I'm giving you a promise now while the seed is still in the barn. In other words, you hadn't even planted it. You hadn't gone through the heart. Nothing. While the seed is still in the barn, you have not yet harvested your grain and your grapevines, fig trees, pomegranates, and olive trees have not yet produced their crops. But from this day onward, I will bless you. It only gets better from here. 
Verse 20, on that same day, December 18th, the Lord sent this second message to Haggai, tell Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, that I am about to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overthrow royal thrones and destroy the power of foreign kingdoms. I will overthrow, overturn their chariots and riders. Their horses will fall and their riders will kill each other. But when this happens, when this happens, says the Lord of Heaven's army, I will honor you, Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, my servant. I will make you like a signet ring on my finger. I'll make you like a signet ring on my finger, says the Lord, for I have chosen you. I, the Lord of Heaven's armies, has spoken. Get this picture. The signet ring was the sign of authority. The signet ring, whenever they signed a document, they would drip wax down and they'd punch that ring right in there and made an impression. That was the signature. That was the seal. That was like a notary signature. That made it legal. He says, Zerubbabel, I'm going to make you my authority. Come on, somebody. I'm going to do that for you because you honored me. All right, so we're through reading Haggai, and we've been talking about temples, been talking about all this other stuff. But let me, let me give you the, the lowdown of this. Let me give you what I'm trying to get to you. We've been talking about rebuilding temples. We've been talking about this in the Old Testament. Let, let me tell you something. You are the temple. You are the temple. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Don't you realize that all you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Bam. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 6. Paul's writing to the Corinthians again. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. Lastly, Second Corinthians chapter 6. And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. He's quoting from Leviticus and Ezekiel. God says, I will be their God. I will be their people. But he says, listen, I'm no longer going to be, a, be living in a temple made with hands. I'm going to live in them. I'm going to live in something that I made, said God. We are his temple. If we can get our priorities right... Instead of trying to just build ourselves, instead of just trying to take care of ourselves, if we can build our spirit, man, if we can focus on and make a priority on building our Holy Spirit temple, and that is through our relationship with God, that is through our relationship with the Holy Spirit, letting Him build this temple up, learning from Him, listening to His voice, being in his presence daily, then he says, listen, I will build it and I will cause the riches to come. Now, I'm not just talking about money. Come on, I'm not just talking about money, but I believe God wants to give us some money. But I'm telling you, he wants to make us prosperous in this life. He wants to make us an example of what somebody who lives for God can do and what they can become. We can flourish in our spirit We can flourish because God says, he told Haggai, tell him, listen, if you will honor me, then I will honor you, and I will bring the wealth of the nations to you. Let's put that in our context, in our temple context. If we will build, we will build the temple of God that is in us. The temple of God. We are the temple of God. If we will build that temple, then the blessings of God will come along with that. Then the empowering Jesus said, you shall receive power 
after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Power to be my witnesses. Power to, to do everything that I've asked you to do. Everything that I've called you to do. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit. After he tabernacles inside of you. After he makes his home in you. God says, I want to abide in you. He didn't say, I just want to visit. Because if you, you'll read in the Old Testament everywhere that anybody countered the Spirit, it said the Holy Spirit came on them. The Holy Spirit came on them because they didn't have the Holy Spirit because Jesus said, now I have been with you before he left. Now listen, I've been with you, but I'm going away and I'm going to send someone just like me. In other words, the, uh, the third person that God had. And he said, he will be in you. So you don't have to wait for the Holy Spirit to come on you. Once you become filled with the Holy Spirit, he is in you. You have access to the Holy Spirit. You have access to, to the presence of the living God. At just a mention of His name, you can have access to God and you can be in His presence just like that. Amen. That's right. Just like that, you can be in His presence. And listen, we don't have to work it up. We don't have to, to, to run around the room to try to get it worked up. We don't have to shun, die, and shake, and shimmy, and stuff like that. All we have to say is, Holy Spirit. And He says, I'm right here. Holy Spirit, we can just, at the mention of his name, I was mowing out here because my brother-in-law done had to go have knee surgery, so I was having to mow this and fight those trees. Y'all pray he gets a miracle healing. So I was out here Friday mowing this property, and I was in the back, and I don't know why, but I was mowing, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit welled up inside of me, and I just began to speak in tongues and pray in tongues just to the top of my voice. I don't know what was going on. I don't know what warfare I was doing, but he was just, he was just there. And I was mowing the dadgum yard, wrestling trees under them and all this kind of stuff, and the whole time I was just speaking in tongues and praying. He was just there. Listen, he wants to abide in you. He said, listen, if you will build me a house, I will, vi I will live there, and then I will, the glory of the latter house will be greater than the former house. That your life will be better than what it was. God always does. With God, the latter is always better than the former. In other words, what, your, your best life is ahead of you. The best is yet to come. The latter is always greater than the former. I'm going to prove to you. Old Testament, Job chapter 42. So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life even more than in the beginning. That's Old Testament, Old Covenant. God blessed Job more in the second half of his life than in the first part of it. Now Jesus, 1 Corinthians, Paul said of Jesus, he said, thus it is written... The first Adam, that's talking about Jesus, became a living... No, I mean, talking about Adam. The first Adam became a living being. So when God breathed in his nostrils, he became a living being. So that was good. But the second Adam, the last Adam, it says, became a life-giving spirit. God always one-ups himself. Listen, he wants to one-up himself with you. He wants to show out for you. He wants to do better for you. He wants to make your life better. He wants to enrich you. God always goes above and beyond. See, my daddy used to restore 55 through 57 T-birds. 
And see, they would bring those things in, and some of them were, had just had rat droppings all in it and rust buckets and all this kind of stuff. And, and Dad, when he got done with them, they actually looked better than when they came off the showroom floor because he would spend the time and the detail because when it was originally made, it came off an assembly line, and they were wham, bam, there you go, he would go up. But Dad spent hours on this thing, and he made sure there was no wrinkles in a... In a convertible top. He'd put that thing up and he'd stretch that. He'd make sure there was no wrinkles or anything. The seat was just smooth. It was gorgeous. See, it was God will restore. When he restores something, it's always better than it was in its first in its first form. So see, we were we were made by God and created by God, but we, we were born into sin. And so our, in our original existence, when God created us in the Spirit, when He created us beginning, before we ever put into flesh, we were perfect. Then we were born in this earth, we were born into sin, and then we have to, had to be redeemed. We had to accept the blood of Jesus for the sins. Listen, we sinned because we were sinners. We weren't sinners because we sinned. We were doing our job. When we were sinners... We, did, we sinned because that was our job as sinners is to sin. That's just our job. And so when we talk about people on this earth and, I, and people post about, you know, the world is wicked and all this other stuff, duh, that's their job. What's my job? My job is to show them a better way. Oh, taste and see. Come on, somebody. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I'm telling you, when I was going to Louisiana, I tasted and seed that that Cajun food was good every day I was there. Every day he'd take me back to the same restaurant, I'd get that stuff. I said, oh, yeah, because that's what it's, it's so good. I wanted, to keep, I wanted to keep getting it. And so that's the thing about it. We create a hunger. Our job is to create a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. Our job is to create that hunger in people's lives. And they say, man, what you've got sure looks tasty. Sure looks like it's good. Sure like you're, you're living better than I am. You're still suffering. You've still got things going on in your life. You're still having issues in your life. You're still having these problems, but you're still smiling. You still, you still have a peace about you. You know, the, what's up with that? Listen, we are to show them. We, are, we have a life-giving spirit inside of us. Not only are we living beings, but we have a life-giving spirit. We are to give life. All right, wedding at Cana of Galilee. Jesus' first recorded miracle, okay? He had gone through the wilderness. He was baptized with John. The Spirit led him into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted. He came back. He went to the temple, the synagogue, wrote out, read out of Isaiah, said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to set at liberty them the captives, so on and so on. He, he gave us his job description. And then the first thing he went to was a wedding. All right, so in those days, it was a, like a big, long seven-day feast. Weddings are seven days long. And so they have a party. It's just a big party. And so they got towards the end, and they ran out of wine. I mean, what's a party without wine? Come on, somebody. What's a, they'd run out of wine, and so they were freaking out. So Jesus' mom, like a good mother does, i got to take care of this. Jesus, they're out of wine. Do something. It's not my time. She didn't, okay, she didn't say, but it is. But she didn't say, she told her, just do whatever he tells you to do. He's like, all right. 
He says, so fill those jars full of water. There's seven jars because it was a ritual purification ceremony. They had to wash themselves ritually before they could eat so they wouldn't contaminate food ceremonially. So they had these seven water jars, and they were already washed up, so the jars were empty. So they filled them up with water, and he said, now take some of that to the steward or the, the party coordinator. Let, them, let him taste it. And he said, he went to the groom, and he said, you know, when you always serve the best wine at first, when everybody's still in their right mind. But when they waste it, you just give them the box of wine. You give them that box of wine. You don't, you don't give them the good stuff that's been around for a while. You don't, you gotta, he said, he said, yeah, yeah, but he said, but you saved the best for last. See, that's Jesus. That's what Jesus does. Now, I don't, I don't know how to make sense of Jesus making wine for drunk people. But he, was just, he just messed with us that way. He loves to mess with people. He messes with tradition. He messes with religion that way. Yeah. But he made the best tasting wine for the last part. So when Jesus made the wine, he didn't say, I'm going to make an adequate wine. Because God always does the best. He always one-ups himself. He always does better. So God is saying, listen, you get your priorities right. If you will prioritize me, if you'll prioritize my house, which is the temple, which is you are my temple, if you'll prioritize that, I'm not saying neglect your, your life, I'm not saying neglect your family, but if you will build my house at the same time, put as just as much energy in my house as you do your house, put just as much, make me just as much of a priority, he says, listen, I'm going to move in and things are going to get good. That's what God does. He does that. When we prioritize him, he makes our life better because that's what God does. God makes our life better. So we can't say, I don't got time for no temples. I don't have time to be building no temples because I still... Now, Lord, I, I, I love you, but I got I to gotta make a living. Oh, Lord, I love you, but, you know, we got to do this. We got to do this. We got to make sure we can get this. We got to make sure we have this. We got to make sure we have this. He said, now, listen, if you will focus on me, if you'll focus on my temple, then I'll make the rest of your life better. So we have to focus on him. If we would learn to focus our life on him, if we would learn to, to, to shift our priorities, make sure that he is, his house is being built along with our house. Don't neglect it. Don't neglect yours. Don't, you know, I've seen too many past preachers do that. They said, oh, it's about the ministry. And their kids and their wife, they just suffered. They just had to deal with things because the ministry comes first. The ministry comes first. You know, we've seen people do that. But I'm here to tell you, and, and as a pastor, I'm telling you, don't be, don't be, you know, focusing on the church when your whole family is just going to hell in a handbasket. Don't just focus, but I'm here to tell you, do both at the same time. Prioritize, make both of them your priority. And you say, but how can I, how can I do that? How can I make both my priorities? See, you got the Holy Ghost in you. When you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And he makes you doubly able. He makes you, he makes you, so we t you know, people say, well, my list is God first, and then, you know, then my family, and then da-da-da-da-da. And so we, we say it's all, you know, it's hierarchy. But the thing is, is when, when we make God our focus, he gives us the ability to love our wife just as, just as, 
more than we could have without him. How we can love our children and, and bless them. How we can do our jobs with, more efficiently. How as long as we're focused on him, then he's going to bring, make the, give us the ability. He's going to give us that, that, think, that mind that we can think because we have the mind of Christ when we build his house. When we focus on building his house alongside ours, then he's going to make sure we do all of it well. We do all of it well. And God wants us to understand that. I saw this. I saw this in... I was just watching a, a, a message and on the, and part of the, the backdrop or part of the, the stage just says, the, you know, the best is yet to come. You know, the best is yet to come. And it just hit me and I started... And then so I thought, well, where does it say that the glory of the latter house would be better than, greater than the former house? And I found in Haggai. And then I began to see this, the context. Remember, every time I preach and I tell you, context, context, context. Always, when you look at a scripture, don't just pick it out and say, oh, this isn't this a good scripture. Look at the context. Because, see, it's even more of a blessing when you realize how they got that. Jeremiah 29, 11, Bishop and I have talked about this. Jeremiah 29, 11 was talking to them people that were in bondage, that were in captivity. But he says, if you, if you will do this, and see, we've taken that away. A lot of times, a lot of the, the prosperity gospel is just taking the if I will to God will. But still, God still says, if you will do this, then I will do this. We still play a part. We don't just get up and confess, 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 confess. He, said, he doesn't say, if you'll confess. He says, if you will, if you will do this. In, in Jeremiah in 29, when he says, he says if, you will, if you'll build houses, if you'll you know, have, get married, have babies, just keep living life, keep being who you are, keep doing all this stuff, then he says, I have a plan for you. You understand it's going to be 70 years, but you know I've got a plan for you. And it's good. You're living in this bondage. You're living in this captivity. But just keep living life with this knowing that I have a plan for you. And it's a good plan. But you have to keep doing this. You have to keep honoring me in this life. So God wants us to understand. Listen, he wants us to shift our priorities and to bring our priorities back into balance to where we have him as part of our, our priorities, we, we, we worship him, we build this temple, we, we live for him, we do what we can for him, and we will be blessed when God is part of our thinking. When we, when we start thinking about lives, when we're thinking about our jobs, when we're thinking about stuff, how does God work into this? How does, how does building this temple fit in with this job? How does building this temple fit in with this whatever I'm doing, whatever this plan, the school that I'm going to, how does what I'm studying for, how does that fit into God's plan for me? When we start using that as a priority, when we start thinking that way, putting God as one of our core values, and we judge everything according to our core values, then God's going to bless you. And he's going to make things happen for you. Amen? So I want you to understand today. Today... We need to make him one of our priorities. We need to make him our priority. Build his house. Build his temple. I'm not talking about going to the gym either. I'm talking about the spiritual part of you. Build the spiritual part. Make that a priority. If you will make building the spiritual part of you a priority. Yes, we are to take care of our, our bodies. We're to take care of our flesh. We're to take care of this, this house here. But... Make him a priority. Make our spirit man a priority. 
then he wants to bless us. He wants to bless us. And before we dismiss, I want to offer any of you in the house or online, before you can shift priorities, before you can make building your spiritual man a priority, you actually have to have him living inside of you. You have to have your life, have given your life to him. And so if you've not made that decision this morning, if you'll bow your heads, close your eyes with me, nobody looking around, those of you online and in the house, if you've not made God, you know, started your relationship with him, if you've not given your life over to him, listen, when you have him in your heart and life and you make him a priority, he will bless you. I'm not saying your life will be rosy afterwards. I'm not saying nothing bad's going to ever happen. But the thing is, is he gives you the ability to, to go through it. He goes through it with you. We sang about it this morning. Your faithfulness. He is so faithful. He has, he has never and will never fail us. And if that's you this morning, if you want to dedicate your life to him, if you want to give your life to him this morning, to start that journey so that you can have that in your life, if you're in this house, if you're in the building, if you will raise your hand as, a, as just signifying that you want to make that commitment. And if you're online, if you're online, then I want you to pray this prayer. So those of you, any, anybody that wants to in the house and those of you online, pray this simple prayer after me. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. It's that simple. Jesus, I give you my life. That's not everything you'll ever have to talk with about God, but that is the, the beginning of the journey. And listen, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it from your heart, then we believe that you got saved. And if you did, if you did, then if you're online, if you will go to the website, turnaround.church, and click, I just received Jesus. Fill out that information. We want to resource you. Be sure to include your mailing address. We want to send you a book called 10 Steps Toward Christ as a resource. It's the 10 core values, the 10 spiritual practices, those things to help you know what to do next. If you will do that, fill that information out. We'll drop ship that book to you. And we want to connect with you and help you through this journey. Those of you in this house, if you've prayed that prayer with us, if you'll just let us know, we'll get you that book. We'll We'll, we'll walk with you side by side. We'll make ourselves available to you. We want to help you, disciple you through this journey. And if you'll do that, then we will reach out to you and we'll partner with you. Listen, we're excited that you made the decision. We're excited that you've made that decision this morning. Listen, part of the life, part of living the life, you guys can, can look back up again. Part of living the life of God, living a, a Christian life, living for Jesus is following Him in your generosity. And listen, we want to give you the opportunities to do that. Those in the house, there's a receptacle in the back with envelopes. You can put your cash or check or whatever you want in there. Fill it out if you want credit for it on your taxes, and you can give that way. If you're online, you can go to our website, turnaround.church, and go to the giving tab. You can give that way, or you can give via text. You can text the, text the dollar amount, just the dollar amount, to 84321. That's the dollar amount to 84321, and just follow the instructions on the return text, and you'll be able to give. Listen, we want to make it, a, make, make it easy for you to follow God in every area of your life. And so we want to 
we invite you to participate in that this morning. And you'll be blessed when you do. We don't give. Robert Moore says we don't give to get, but we get because we give. So we, we do that this morning. So, all right. Before I dismiss you, I want to bless you. I love speaking a blessing over you. And if you want to receive it, just put yourself in a receptive posture. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. May you know that if God is for you, who can be against you? If God is on your side, we know he is, whom shall you fear? May you be like a tree that's planted by rivers of living water that your leaf will not wither, and whatever you do, it shall prosper. Amen. <laughs>